titled my message, A Mother's Love, and how fortunate we are to have mothers that love us, that care for us, that want us to turn out right, that want us to love God, that want us to serve God. Uh, And I got to thinking this week about how important a mother's job is. You know, you know, dads are important, but mom is, I think, the center part of the home. I think she's the one that's responsible more than anybody else to hold it together. She's the one that sets the tone. She's the one that God has put in a position to have the greatest influence on a child. And, I, and, I, and I'm not taking anything away from dads, and I'll speak to dads in a month or so when it's Father's Day. But this morning, I just want to lift up moms. I want to talk about the importance that God has put in the role that they play in the home and they do. And down through the ages, moms have played a great influence in the lives of people that we know. D.L. Moody said, All that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. Abraham Lincoln said the same thing. All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. But I want to look at a, a, a quote that one of the Wesley uh, brothers, uh, uh, both John and Charles, they were songwriters, they were preachers. Uh, They were two of 13 children. Suzanne Wesley was their mother. And if you read her autobiography, if you read the story of her life, uh, she uh, made it a point to sit down for an hour every week with a one-on-one session with her child. You say, well, that's not anything. Well, when you consider she had 13 children... It is something. But she would spend an hour a week when a one-on-one session with her children, raised all of her children for God. Charles said one time, I learned more about God's love from my mother than I did anywhere else. And I think a mother does reflect and teach us about the love of God. An old Indian proverb says this, God couldn't be everywhere, although he is everywhere, but he couldn't be everywhere, so he made moms. And this morning, I want to look at three characteristics of a mother's love that teach us about the love of God. First of all, I would point out to you that a mother's love is a steadfast love. In John chapter 19, we read verse 25, where the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother. His mother Mary. You know, some people give Mary too much importance in the scheme of things. Other people, as a result of that, don't give her enough. Mary was a special lady. She had a special relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've often thought what must have gone through her mind as she stood at the cross, the foot of the cross, and watched her son be crucified. I'm sure that as she stood the hours there at the foot of the cross, she went back and remembered the visit that she got from the angel that says she was going to have a child. And you remember that discussion. We talk about it at Christmas all the time. She says, that's not possible. I've not been, I haven't known a man. And, and the angel told her, no, that the father of your child is not going to be a man. It's, 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 you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and you're going to have the Son of God. 
Of course, that created some problems with her fiancé, Joseph. He wanted to put her away privately, and we know the story there. And I'm sure as she stood, about the foot of, as she stood at the foot of the cross, her mind went back to that angelic visit. Her mind went back uh, to Joseph uh, being a man and being uh, obedient to God and taking her as his wife. I'm sure she remembered the visit that she made to her cousin, Elizabeth. And how Elizabeth testified that the one, the little one that was in her womb, the one we know as John the Baptist, slept when he heard the voice of the mother of, of the Lord. And then I'm sure her mind went back to that night in Bethlehem when she delivered her firstborn child, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in that manger, how the shepherds came, and then later how the wise men came, and the trip that they had to make as a young family to Egypt. All of that went flooding through her mind as she stood at the foot of the cross and looked up and saw her son on the cross. I'm sure she remembered the visit to the temple they made when Jesus was 12 years old. And mom and dad left, thought he was with other relatives, and he was still there. And went back, and after three days of missing him, found him among the the, the, the teachers talking about the things of God. I'm sure she thought about the, 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 the years that he was in her home growing up. As the Bible says, that he increased in stature and in favor with God and man. And I'm sure she thought about the last three years. I, I think Mary was there as Jesus preached and as Jesus taught, as Jesus worked the miracles, as he fed the 5,000, as he healed the sick, as he raised the dead. All of that went flooding through her mind as she stood at the foot of the cross. Now she stood there. She probably seen the trial. She'd probably heard about the lashes of the, of the, uh, 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 of the whip on his back and saw his bloody back as he made his way through the streets of Jerusalem. I'm sure she noticed the crown of thorns that was still on his head. She might have been there when Pilate presented him to the people and said, Who do you want me to release? Jesus, your king, or this one called Barabbas? And as the crowd chose Barabbas. She might have been there and watched as the soldiers nailed him to the cross and raised him on a cross among criminals. Saw the sign above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Saw the soldiers dividing his garments. Other Gospels tells us there were many people milling around the cross and maybe Mary couldn't get close and, until all the others grew tired and went home. But it was now approaching evening. It was now approaching the time that Jesus was going to give his life in payment for our sins. Tonight we're going to talk about what the Bible says in verses 26 and verse 27, how he entrusted the care of his mother uh, to John. But I, I, I want you to notice that Mary stayed there to the end. She probably watched as Nicodemus and Joseph took him down from the cross and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and not, <laughs> wrapped him in grave clothes and, 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 and laid him in, in, in the tomb. But she stayed till the end because a mother's love is a steadfast love. I want to remind you this morning a fact that all of you know your mother's love for you will never end. It really doesn't matter what kind of son or daughter you have been. It doesn't matter if you've caused pain or you've caused joy. It doesn't matter uh, what, what's going on in your life. 
Your mother loves you with a steadfast love, a love that will never die. She's always there. She's always willing to forgive, always there with a word of advice, always there with a helping hand. A poet put it like this, her love outlasts all other human love. Her faith endures the longest, hardest test. Her grace and patience through a lifetime prove that she's a friend, the noblest and the best. If you have a mom who loves you with a steadfast love, if you had a mom, maybe she's gone to heaven already, but you ought to thank God for your mother. You ought to thank God for the steadfast love that she had for you. But I want to remind you this morning that her steadfast love for you teaches us about the steadfast love that God has for us. We, the, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Do you realize this morning that God has loved you forever and ever and ever? You say, Brother Darrell, I'm just so many years old. God has only been able to love me for those number of years that I've been alive. No, I would submit to you that, that, that in eternity past, God knows that knew that you were going to exist. God knew that you were going to walk the face of the earth. And before, before he created the earth, he knew you were going to be here and he loved you in eternity past. When God planned for man to be bought back from his sin, when God planned before the foundation of the world was laid, the, 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 the redemption story, he loved you. And so when that verse says, I've loved you with an everlasting love, God says, my love doesn't have a beginning, and it will never have an end. You might say, preacher, don't you think that when, uh, when, when we're called to heaven and when everything is over and those people that have rejected Christ and they've gone to hell, don't you think God will quit loving them? I don't. Even though they burn in the fires of hell because they rejected Jesus Christ, I think there'll be a God in heaven that still loves them. Now, by the way, his love won't get him out of hell. I've heard people say, well, God loves us so much, he won't let anybody stay in hell. That's not what this book teaches. This book teaches that if you reject Jesus Christ, regardless of how much God loves you, you're going to spend eternity in hell. But I'm glad that we have a God that loves us with a steadfast love, and I'm glad that God paints that picture in our life with our mothers, mothers that love us. With a steadfast love. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? Nay, in all these things. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Listen to what Paul wrote. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God loves us with a steadfast love, a love that never ends. And I'm glad he pictures that kind of love in the mothers that he's given us. Number two, I would point out to you that a mother's love is a self-denying love. Do you ever stop and think what motivation a lady has to be a mother? 
Being a mother doesn't make their lives more convenient. Being a mother doesn't make their life easier. Being a mother doesn't keep the house cleaner. It doesn't uncomplicate their life. The motive for motherhood is not any of these things that I've just mentioned. The motive for motherhood is love. Is love. Love that makes a woman willing to suffer, even to die, to give life. In John chapter 16, verse 21, the Bible says, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. In Genesis chapter 35, we read of a mother who gave her life as she bore her child. Rachel, in Genesis chapter 35, verse 16, and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And in verse 18, and it came to pass, as her soul was in the parting, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. Down through the ages, we've all known people, precious little mothers that have given their lives to give their children life. But that giving doesn't stop with birth. All through life, moms deny themselves so that their children can have. I remember reading a story about a little first grader that went to school and his teacher was trying to teach him about math and said, little Johnny, I'm going to tell you a story and then I want you to answer my question. You're at home with your family. It's you and your sister and your mother and your dad. And your, dad and your mom makes a pie. How many pieces do you cut the pie into? And little Johnny says, three. Teacher says, no. Listen, it's you, your sister, your mother, and your dad. Your mama makes a pie. How many pieces do you cut it into? Three. No. Listen. There's four. He says, I know, teacher, but mama never takes a piece. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. That may be a sort of a silly example. But down, down through the ages in your life, as I can, you can. You can look back and you can see the sacrifices that your mother made so that you would not have to go without. You can see the sacrifices and the things that they've given up so that you could have what they wanted you to have. I would submit to you this morning that Jesus loves us with that same kind of love. Why did he come to earth? It didn't make his life any easier. he, He didn't come for the praise of man. He came for one reason, because he loved us. And he came to sacrifice himself so that we could have life. He gave up the splendor of heaven. He gave up being the prince of heaven to come and be a servant. To take upon him the form of a man. Take upon him the form of a servant and die in our place. His was not only a steadfast love as modeled by our mothers. His was a self-denying love. And then finally, number three, it's an undeserved love. I dare say there's not one child here this morning that could stand and say, truthfully, I deserved my mother's love. 
I mean, if we were honest, and I, I, know, mo- I know all of you are. I was going to say most of you, but I said all of you. You're honest people. And I dare say there's not one of us that could stand up and say, I deserved the way my mother loved me. I can't say that. You can't say that. Because there's all been times in our lives where we've disappointed them. There's all been, there's been, in all of our lives, there's been times when we did things we knew would displease them. There's all been, in all of our lives, there's been times where we broke the rules and we knew we were breaking the rules. As Adam talked about in Sunday school this morning, it was usually mom that found out she did have eyes in the back of her head and her eyes all over the place. But if we were honest with ourselves, we'd have to stand and say, there's no way I deserved the steadfast love, the self-sacrificing love that my mother had for me. No, we would have to say that my mom loved me in spite of me. My mom loved me in spite of who I was and what I did. You know, the same thing is true about the love of Jesus Christ for us. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Let preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth or proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, if Christ gave us, if God gave us what we deserved, every single one of us this morning would be in hell. Because we're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we may compare ourselves to each other, and we may look pretty good at times compared to each other. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus Christ, we come up far short. And yet, God loves us. There's no way. There, there is absolutely no way that I deserve the love of God the way that he loved me. No way. And even though I've been a Christian for many, many years, almost 50 years, I still don't deserve God's love. Not one bit of it. Not one bit of it. He loves me in spite of myself. And that, was, that kind of love was modeled for me by my mother. Now listen, God loves you so much. He gave you a mom. He said, I, I want to tell you about how much I love you. I want to tell you about the kind of love that I'm going to love you with. So he gave you a mom to love you in that way. And he says, I love you so much that I've paid the price for your sin. I paid the price that you owe. I paid the debt that you owe. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning, a wonderful picture in a story that Jesus told about a debt that had to be paid. Jesus paid that debt. And because he paid that debt, he's able to offer to every single person a gift this morning. You know, Brother Bob said, you don't have to buy your mom a flower. You don't have to buy your mom any candy. You don't have to take her out for dinner. Hey, if you can do that, I think you ought to do it. You don't have to, Brother Bob. But if you, if you can still do that, you ought to do it. Because there's a lot of people in this room this morning. If they could, they'd do it. But they can't because their mom's in heaven. 
If you still got your mom with her, take her out. If you can't afford nothing else, take her to it for a hamburger. If you can't afford a flower, go to somebody's yard and pick a pretty one. <laughs> take it to her. And if you can't do anything else, if you can't do anything else, you make sure you call her today or you get with her today and you throw your arms around her and tell her that you love her. Tell her that you love her. That's what Jesus is telling you today. I love you. I paid the price for your sin. I want to give you a gift, the gift of eternal life. This morning, if you did take your mom a box of candy, if you did take her a flower, she'd gladly receive it. She'd welcome it. Isn't it strange that so many people have rejected the gift that God has purchased for them? He wants you to be saved this morning. He wants you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you do that? If you've never received him, I can't think of a better day than Mother's Day 2015 to come to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for moms. Thank you for all the moms that are in our church, all the moms that are in this room this morning. Thank you that they love us with a steadfast love, with a self-denying kind of love, with an undeserved love. Help us to be grateful to our moms, but Father, help us also to be grateful to you because you love us with that same kind of love. And I pray this morning, if there's just one person in this room who has never received Jesus Christ, they've never responded to that great love that you have for us, that today would be the day they see their sin. Today would be the day they understand that they need to do something. And they can't do it on their own. They can't get right with you on their own. The only way they can is to come through Jesus Christ. Help them. Help them right now, Father, to make that decision. Help them to understand they're a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to you except by him. And, Father, help them to come to to you. Help them to come to Jesus. I pray in just a second as we have the invitation that if they do that, if they want to do it, that they would walk down the aisle and we could show them from the Bible how to do it. Just bless this time of invitation, Father. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.